Katie, how's it going? Jesse, well, I'm a little bit worried about you. What did I do? What happened? Okay, somebody just tagged me in this tweet uh, about an article. This is this is from LBC, leading Britain's conversation. It's apparently some hmm. British rag. Okay. Lioness, in quotes, on the loose in Berlin as residents of German capital told to stay indoors. Jesse, there is a lion on the loose. Nobody told me. <laughs> Nobody told me to stay indoors. Uh, okay, so I should if I no sighting. It, there's been no lioness sightings. If I sh- if I hear a roar, that's it's probably a kitty cat. I honestly did not know about this. Hold on, lioness Berlin. I wonder where it came from. Footage shows a lioness on the loose in Berlin as children and pets. Well, it says children and pets stay indoor. Okay, so podcasters are fine. Yeah, podcasters are immune to lions. I yeah. do they know where it came from? No, they don't know. They like it was spotted chasing after a wild boar in the area. That's also something you need to be worried about. I didn't realize there was so many big animals in Berlin. Oh, wild boars! There's a lot. Uh, Germany has really? like a wild. I thought wild boar in the forest. They have wild boars. I don't know about Berlin. Do they have? Uh, do you do do they have machine guns? Is it, that's what I hear? What you're supposed to do when fifty to hundred <laughs> wild boars enter your enter cool your reference, bro. There's been there's been a lot of. Cat sightings in my area lately, big cat sightings. We the other day we were at the Oregon coast. We were driving home, and we were going to stop in this town, Cannon Beach, which is like a touristy but very pretty coastal Oregon town. Yeah. And they have this big rock there called Haystack Rock. So we were just going to stop there for a little while, walk moose on the beach, go see Haystack Rock. And literally, as we were pulling into the town, we're listening to local radio. And a woman comes on the radio and she says, uh, if anybody's in Cannon Beach area, Haystack Rock, the trail, the, the beach around Haystack Rock is closed because a cougar has been spotted on the rock. A cougar took over Haystack Rock, whatever that is. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And then I was at the at the car dealer, the, or not the dealer, the, the mechanic the other day. And the and mechanic got, was a cougar. <laughs> he was, she was a cougar, actually. Uh, I was listening to some guy talk on the phone. He called his wife and he said, bring the, bring the, the dog inside. There's a cougar in the neighborhood, in his neighborhood, which also happens to be my neighborhood. I asked him. Wow. There's a lot, a lot of big cat news. Yeah. Big I, cats. I was on a, taking over. A, a year ago, I was on Cape Cod. Uh, I went to Provincetown. I saw a lot of big bears. <laughs> they, were, they were very friendly, though. Any otters? A lot of otters, too. Yeah. 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 Uh, Katie, what is the name of this increasingly big cat obsessed podcast? This is Blocked and Reported, and I'm Katie Herzog. And I'm Jesse Single. A couple other quick uh, Berlin updates. For those who didn't listen to the premium episode, I am currently in Berlin. I've, this has never come up on the podcast before, but I've been here before and I like it. Uh, I feel You've like been I to Berlin? You, yeah, wait, yeah. You have? Yeah. God, you're I was actually such here a, a world traveler. Fellowship. Um, you did a fellowship? I know. This has not. Someone named you a fellow? I was a fellow. What was the fellowship for? It was, it's actually amazing. Felix. So do you know about the Holocaust? No. Hmm. Okay. Wikipedia it after the show. Because of that, Germany- I'm going to watch some Nick Fuentes videos. I think he's <laughs> yes. the, most, the yeah. place to get the most accurate information on the Holocaust. Yeah. Go to one of those uncensored search engines and just uh, <laughs> do some terms. Because of that whole thing, Germany is very into like transatlantic lovey-dovey stuff. So there's if, you're, if you can get in on this, uh, you're a journalist or an academic, they throw a lot of money at American journalists and academics and young professional types to get them to come over here. And there is a thing called the Bosch Fellowship that- uh, Wait, 
What does that have to do with the Holocaust? Why would, like, because they killed oh, because they want the, 60,000 Jews? We are really sorry about this. Here's <laughs> some money. Come live in Berlin. Uh, Wait, is this, like, are they specifically trying to attract Jewish podcasters? I'm so confused about this. No, it's literally just they try to, you know, they're one of our strongest allies, and they throw a lot of money to uh, foster transcontinental relations. That being said, the fellowship that first brought me it here. It doesn't feel like we are the people that they need to apologize to. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they're just sucking up to us because they not, we could just bomb the shit out of them if we wanted. Uh, either way, lovely place. Couple, I've already encountered a couple of health issues. One is that um, I think 75% of my meals here have been fried cheese, halloumi. Um, so if there's any doctors listening, what I want to know the exact percentage at which like X percent, if X percent of your diet is fried cheese, that's unhealthy. I assume it's like 95, 96% and I'm in the clear. That'd be good to know though. Uh, the other thing is I, I tweeted about this. They have these fucking scooters everywhere who I assume native Berliners hate, but I'm just like, like bird scooters. Like, the, yeah, the ones where okay. you can scan the with Uber yeah. or bolt, which is the EU equivalent to Uber mm-hmm. and just scoot your little butt off, which I've been doing. Um, I was out with a friend the other night drinking, biking and scooting around. I was on a scooter, uh, I tried to start one of the scooters. It gives me a sobriety test. No. Yeah, because I think, I assume this was just because of what time it was. Um, This was either Friday or Saturday night. So it says, you know, when this thing turns green, react. And it did it three times. Wait, react how? Like press the button. Okay, so it's not like a breathalyzer on the scooter. No, but it's testing your reaction time. So I'd had maybe a couple beers, but I was like, oh, this will be easy. Nailed it. Nailed it, nailed it, and then it's like you failed the test. <laughs> I was so confident, and then guess what happened after that? You were locked out. No, a little things like, do you still want to ride? I'm like, <laughs> that's the entire just which, checking again in a city where public drinking is basically mandatory. That is the safeguard. I assume it has something to do with liability, but it was literally like you failed. Like imagine if a cop pulled you over and you blew a point five, and he's like. You're blackout drunk. You shouldn't be driving. Do you want to keep driving? Do you want to? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess scooters can cause slightly less damage, but just as much to the, the scooter-er. Yes. Uh, so that is Berlin. It has Wait, been... I have a question before before we leave this section of the, of the world. Absolutely. This is probably something that you don't know because it's, uh, it's a matter of- Anything of... involving like actual facts about Berlin right. or its history, I'm just a tourist, but go ahead. What is Germany's relationship like with Israel? Are they like, will they like never criticize Israel? Very, it's very strong. It's extremely strong. And that's a source mm-hmm. of like some controversy among German lefties, but Germans are very, yes, very strong- allyship with Israel. Also, a lot of Israelis, like secular libertine Israelis, moved to Berlin because it's like now Germany is a much less fucked up country than Israel. Uh, And the other thing is that it just slipped out of my brain. I had another fact. I had three facts and I lost it. Well, as we talked about on the Primo episode, you recently broke out of prison Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't want you to get arrested again. So you should probably stop drinking and scooting and also don't like walk out onto the street and say the Holocaust never happened. I hear they will arrest people for that. They do. If you jaywalk in front of children here, the Germans will yell at you. Just outright really? yell at you. Yeah. Even if it's no like cars Seattle. are coming. Re- what do you mean? 
Seattle is a very anti-jaywalking city. People in, like, downtown Seattle, there could be no cars coming and people wait for the light to change. Really? That's so different mm-hmm. from New York. Yeah. It's very different. Yeah. And, like, being after being in New York for, like, five minutes, I came back and started jaywalking and was quickly – like, you'll get a ticket here for jaywalking. That's crazy. Yeah. You guys are the Berlin of the Northwest. So uh, true. So true. Okay. So we're actually going to head a little bit to the – East. Northwest. No. <laughs> you said the east. It's the opposite. I was trying to think north. Hold on. Let me double check this. Directions, Berlin <laughs> to London. Okay. Before north, I hit, west. Northwest, west. Okay. Before I hit Berlin to London directions, how long do you think it takes to walk from Berlin to London, assuming you can go through the tunnel or take a boat? 45 hours. 171 hours, including a ferry. So mm. you lose. If you walk slow. If you walk slow. Like a, just a confident German Amble. I could do it in 45. You could. Moose Moose could ride you there. Um, that would actually be an interesting walk. You'd go through Hanover and south of Amsterdam. Um, today's show is mostly about a little country we call England. Because while I was in England for five- We could, don't call it that. We call it Turf Island. We call it Turf Island. Turfland. Uh, while I was there for <laughs> glorious- This already feels like it was weeks ago. Uh, for five glorious days, there were a couple pretty amazing- media-ish stories. Uh, So we're going to do what will now be a uh, regular segment in the sense we're going to do it exactly once and then never again. And we're going to call this British Update. Katie, let's cue, hold on, let's cue that music and here we go. Hell yeah. Well, no, don't jump the cue. (laughs) Hold on, here comes. Get ready. Do you feel like a shiver up your spine? What is this song? What is this song? This is Dave Matthews' (laughs) band, Crash. This is Queen, right? This is Queen. This is Queen, in a sense. And wait for it. Are we still? We're still doing this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God save America. Okay, let's cut it off. Okay, so not long after my arrival on Turf Island. The Sun, which is a British tabloid, publishes an article with the headline, Sex Picks Probe, all caps as it should be, top BBC star taken off air after, quote, paying teenager for sexual pictures, end quote. The top of that article reads, a top BBC star is off air while allegation, oh, did I say the date already? I don't know. <laughs> I'm paying much I just got a text. I've stopped listening. Who is it? It's my cousin. Oh, what are they, what's up? She's asking if she should bring the bring the kids over this oh, weekend. Definitely. Should, what, I, what should I say? Kids or no kids? Kids. All right, fine. Sorry. So this was Friday, July 7th. Here's the start of this article. A top BBC, BBC star is off air while allegations he paid a teenager for sexual pictures are being investigated. The well-known presenter is accused of giving the teen more than 35,000 pounds since they were 17 in return for sordid images. Katie, describe the accompanying image of the offender to me. It's not a, I mean, it's clearly a man or, well, who knows? It's clearly a male. Uh, there's the, the photo is like backlit so you can't see his face. I yeah. don't know who it is. It's, it would be really hard to tell who it is unless you're really good at like judging someone's ears. It's just a stock photo. The son didn't name the person. They went with a spooky stock photo. You know what? If you look closely, it looks like uh, it looks like Edward Norton. You know, now that you've said that, I can totally see it. It was Edward Norton. It was Edward Norton. Uh, so the son didn't name the person. They went with a spooky stock photo. 
And uh, they describe some pretty bad behavior, an adult paying a 17-year-old for sexy pics. It gets worse. Quote, the alleged recipient's mother said they had used the cash to fund a crack habit. She added of the star, when I see him on telly, Katie, that's television. Thank you. I feel sick. I blame this BBC man for destroying my child's life, taking my child's innocence and handing over the money for crack cocaine that could kill my child. Okay, but first of all, it didn't kill her child, correct? Yeah. So what's she complaining about? Why didn't they name this BBC star? That seems like a great oversight. We will get there. Okay. The article goes on to explain that this mom, or for our English listeners, mom approached the son because she was simply desperate to get this BBC personality to stop sending these payments, which she claimed had totaled hundreds of thousands of dollars, or for our English listeners, pounds. Uh, These pounds went to her allegedly drug-addled son. Uh, Her husband, who is the boy's stepfather, was also involved in this effort to, um, you know, just get this behavior to stop. Okay, so the caption on, on one of the photos in this article, it's a photo of the BBC building, says, the presenter known to millions is being investigated over the sordid allegations. Why didn't they just say his name? Again, sorry, like, why? So this is, like, very hard as an American journalist to grasp. I I still don't fully get it. It's just the British press handles this sort of thing very, very differently, largely because libel laws there are so Mm. different and so much tougher. Totally. So you have to be much more careful. And I I actually don't have a firm grasp. This is something... British media uh, pros are welcome to write in about. I don't have a firm grasp on how much of this behavior is like it really would put you in legal jeopardy versus when you're working under those conditions, you might be even more conservative than you need to be. Because you, okay. you've probably had stories lawyered like when you worked at The Stranger, right? Or for, yeah. yeah. That just means that a lawyer reads over the story. Yeah. The, the publication pays the lawyer and then tells you like this could get you in trouble, this could get you in trouble, quash it, whatever. Yeah. And oftentimes they go well beyond what you need to do. Like they, yeah, they really, they're cautious. They're, they're very cautious. They're paid to to make sure that you don't get sued. Yeah, um, that's like the right. It's the lawyer. That's like the one outcome you don't want to happen. So anyway, media outlets over there have just developed really different norms about naming the accused uh, in an instance like this. And the BBC. Well, but why write it? I mean, like, why even write the article if you're just gonna like hint at it well i mean it got them a huge amount of attention so okay that's why yeah (laughs) (laughs) if you were if you were like a member of congress smoked crack under an overpass but i can't say who you would still write it or we would if you have any information Uh, on members of uh, congress please send it we won't we don't need hunter biden is not a member of congress um okay so they say the presenter is known to millions. And my first thought was like, well, that must narrow it down a lot. But the BBC is big. There are actually still plenty, yeah. <laughs> plenty of candidates. Uh, as friend of the pod, Sarah Didem said in a subsequent unheard column we'll link to in the show notes, quote, the whole country became engaged in a high stakes game of guess who? There were so many candidates. Within 24 hours, one had been settled on in media gossip circles. Online, though, the guesses ran wild with the words nonce and pedo, pedo freely dispensed. I think they do say pedo, don't they? I think they say pedo. Pedo. British pedo. listeners write it. Pedo. <laughs> pedo. He's a real pedo. And, uh, a nonce and a pedo. <laughs> nonce and a pedo. Um, with the words nonce and pedo freely dispensed. This was potentially career ruining stuff. Rylan Clark, Gary Lineker, and Nikki Campbell, these are all great British names, all issued statements denying being the presenter <laughs> in question. That must be Wasn't so me. Weird. Wasn't me. 
I would just include a link to the Shaggy song. That's all. I'm <laughs> <laughs> How weird that would be. You have to deny something that you yourself haven't yeah. been for. People are saying a lot of things. I just want to say it wasn't me. This is what happens when uh, you publish blind items. Exactly. So the, over the next few days after that July 7th sun story, this blows up into an all-consuming British media event. The Sun keeps publishing story after story about it, um, but quickly... <laughs> The young man in question's lawyer sends a denial to the Sun and to the BBC, basically saying, like, look, nothing inappropriate, let alone illegal, went on here. This is an invasion of privacy. Um, I'm at he's I'm saying I, he's saying this through his lawyer. I'm actually estranged from my mom. Mm. So you have a situation here which is like really weird on multiple levels. First, you have the BBC reporting on a scandal involving one of its own unnamed presenters. And reporting out on a denial that that presenter did anything wrong. It puts him in like a weird situation journalistically, right? Yeah. Uh, Second, you have that initial reporting, which suggested that the young man in question had a drug problem, which makes this all extremely fraught. Like, if his mom is telling the truth and he has a drug problem, it would make a lot of sense that he would come out and be like, nothing happened. You know, he doesn't want to Give me my money. Give me my money. Right. but we just don't know anything at this point. Uh, a few days after this broke. And, and he's this, 17, is that right? By now he's 20. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I believe 20. Uh, it's also the case that like in a situation like this, there's always the chance that there's some sort of extortion attempt going on, which is another reason broadcasters don't release the presenter's name. That um, Or someone told me this. That's another reason not to release the name in addition to other legal issues. Like. Wait, like the mom would be extorting the presenter? Yeah, it could be some complicated thing where the mom's saying, like, we have dirt on this guy. Although they didn't ask the son for money. It's all, it's a mess. But there's there's some possibility someone is trying to extort someone here. Um, was mentioned to me as someone, as one reason to be cautious. So the son also gets hold of some Instagram chats between this BBC presenter and someone who followed him, a teenager who followed him on Instagram. Uh, Katie, I think we should probably do a dramatic reading. Who do you want me to be? You be the BBC beast. You be the BBC star. This menacing, threatening figure. I'll be. I've always wanted to play the role of an innocent seventeen-year-old boy on Instagram. Now I have a chance. Okay. This is twenty-first of October. Sorry, this is twenty-first of October, twenty eighteen. Heart emoji. <laughs> it just starts with a heart emoji. Oh well. So if you like someone's story on Instagram, they get a heart emoji in their inbox. So it probably didn't just like send them a heart. Okay. I uh, I didn't realize that. I did, need to do this in a British accent. You do, yeah. Hot emoji. Hot. Jesus Christ. Hot, em, hot emoji. Hot, <laughs> hot emoji. Hot, hot emoji. Heart emoji. I feel like we need to just put the full context here. Like, this is like if you, this is a big time BBC star. So imagine you're a teenager on Instagram and Anderson, what, Anderson Burns, follows yeah, you on Instagram Anderson. and just sends you a heart. I, I would assume that in my case, it was because he loved pictures of my dog. Exactly. Uh, okay. Heart emoji. I'm the pupil. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Sweet. How's it going over at the BBC? All good. Thanks, X. You okay? Do the heart. Uh, oh, heart emoji. Aha. Yeah. Why? Just being polite, X. What have you been up to today? Out walking, bit of work. You? Practically nothing except listening to music and watching Netflix. Sounds okay to me. Exclamation mark. This is an extremely boring conversation. <laughs> How, but we got to get through it. How's your work going? Must be really interesting. Busy week. But, well, your accent's changing every time you talk. Any, <laughs> any specifics? Okay, this is redacted. There's a, a name, I assume, that's got a black box over it. Let's say yeah. Kylie Minogue, for starters. 
it it continues in this vein. The kid mentions he might have a chance to do some BBC school thing. The guy's like thumbs up. So it's just I, I feel like this is like weird and sad. It's just like there's very nothing there in these Instagram chats they're leaking, right? Yeah, this is it's it's not even flirting really, except for like X. But British people use that a lot. Yeah. From, from my experience, which I do actually find kind of strange. I report uh, them for sexual harassment whenever they do it. Totally. Every time. Um, but yeah, this is a very banal conversation. It's chit chat. There's nothing salacious about this at all. This is – okay, do you remember that American fuck is he a congressman or like a small town mayor or something who was commenting on some like teenager's thought pics, his like butt pics? <laughs> no, I actually don't remember that. Okay, I just looked it up. It was Tennessee Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally, and he was – this was – it was just a few months ago. It was in March, and there was a, like, gay – young a young gay man who was was always posting, like, like butt pics and shit. Not, like, fully naked, but, like, crack photos or whatever. Not whole, just crack. And he would like the photos, and then – and then – leave these sort of strange like grandfatherly comments about him yeah the whole thing was very strange and he's like 80 years old or something like that uh and he he said something like you know he's he's just a constituent yeah this is much less interesting than that these this is just like absolute chit chat so yeah there's not much there to those to those chat logs but um soon and and to be clear this is not the the kid who or the the young man whose mom whose mom said that he was being exploited yeah this was someone else yeah okay and this and this this person who's 17 must clearly he must have sent these to the bbc or sent these to the tabloids these chats yeah yeah i mean i think this is like where you get the other people coming forward and be like oh this happened to me too and again so the head, so the sun publishes this chat and the headline and that piece says creepy messages BBC sex pic scandal presenter started Instagram chat with a teenage follower 17 using love hearts and kisses yeah so I guess that's the scandal there is the hearts and the kisses <laughs> yeah but there's like in this particular chat there's nothing it's just right. it's weird and it feels weird it's too reaching it's weird. like yeah. don't definitely don't chat with a 17 year old but there's no there there anyway soon the biggest mystery is solved so on July 12th, five days-ish after that first Sun report, we find out who the BBC presenter is. Hugh Edwards. <gasps> Katie, don't act like you know who that was. Okay. I don't know who it is. How do we find this out? We find it out because uh, his wife actually comes forward, issues oh, a statement wow. saying that her husband's a guy and he's now suffering from serious mental health issues and receiving inpatient care uh, for the foreseeable future, as she puts it. Whoa. So... That's pretty wild that the wife came out and named her husband. She outed him. She outed him. It 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 I think people knew who it was at that point. It would come out one way or another. Plus he was now in inpatient care. People would have noticed that he wasn't on the air. Because yeah. everybody kept denying it except for him. Click this YouTube link and we'll we'll embed this audio and but also like describe his bearing as he uh this is him reporting on the Queen's death. We are expecting the news from Balmoral that she's having a treatment or that indeed they are unable to help Her Majesty anymore. He looks like Dan Rather. 
He has that that gravitas, that old school broadcasting voice. You could almost imagine him like reporting on World War Two or something, right? Like very old school. Or he might actually have. He might reported actually on have. World yeah. War Two. So this is like this is a particular tradition of British broadcasting, serious, authoritative types who are just like you know sharing these important moments with with the whole country, sharing in national traumas. Now Hugh Edwards is Welsh. He's sixty one years old. Um, he's like, you know, he's a straight laced newsreader. He's not out there giving his opinion on stuff, but he's known to be a practicing Christian and he's got a wife and five kids. So it's just like an astonishing story. Um, it's roughly the equivalent of like when we find out a right wing congressman turns out to be gay, except like even more so because this is like truly a household name. That happens all the right. time. Uh, this is a household name. He's broadcast into millions of UK homes. And in many ways, he's like the last guy you'd expect. Now, mm-hmm. Part of what makes this such a rich and British story is you have this right-wing tabloid attempting to take down a BBC broadcaster. The BBC is still like a really highly respected news source. Um, you know, I've been told like basically across the political spectrum in the UK, it's not you, it's not as polarized as we have where like basically, well, do you think it's an exaggeration to say, I'm sure we have polling on this, most Republicans at this point do not trust like NPR and PBS. Uh, I think that is a an understatement. The reason I'm saying most is because I feel like when I listen to the shows with Colin, well, no, yeah, most. It, it, it's not good. It's very polarized. But also, on top of that, British households by law have to pay a licensing fee that goes to the BBC's operation. Oh, yeah. They have, they have like, when I, when I was in England doing study abroad, I was at a friend's house, a local's house. And they were fucking paranoid because they didn't pay the licensing fee. And there's apparently they there's like vans that drive around that are supposed to like detect execute if, you. <laughs> there's there's they apparently I don't know if this technology even exists, but I think what they what the BBC lets people think or the government lets people think is that these vans drive around and they have some sort of technology that can track like radio waves or television waves or something. <laughs> I'm not kidding about this. And they'll knock on your door and de- and like, we know you didn't pay your licensing fee. Right. You know, it's very strange. It's so it's a real life crime. You can be you can be fined for it. You can't be in prison. But like, can you imagine PBS or NPR trying to pull that off of the States? Like you right. have oh to God. pay. It would not right. go well. Um, but and and the BBC is by law. They have to be even handed. They have to give both they have to air both sides of the story if it's a big political event or something like that. They that is yeah, that's their role. Um I can't resist when I was looking into the licensing fee system, uh, I can't resist noting that they hit an intersectional snag recently, according to a 2023 Guardian article, uh, because quote, figures released last year showed that women made up 76% of the 52,000 plus people convicted in 2020 over TV license evasion. Wow, that's probably one of the only crimes that women commit more than men. Or are they just getting or are they just exactly. getting uh, charged with it more? Or they worse at hiding it. What's funny is the ratio. The ratio was so skewed. The BBC decided to like ease up a little and provide <laughs> free debt counseling. Um, that same article notes that since 1995, the sex ratio of those convicted of license evasion was actually two to one for males. Oh, that was not seen as a problem. Yeah. Nobody cares about that. <laughs> um, Okay, anyway, so the BBC's status still is this like juggernaut of respectability and old school news values and one you literally have to pay to to support. Wait, before we move on, can I just ask you something? Yeah. You probably don't know the answer to this, but like we do have to support public media by law as well because we have to pay our taxes and some tiny and percentage. Tax money, of our- a little tax money. Right. Goes to it, yeah. So why not – in a way like it's almost – 
The BBC licensing fee to me seems almost like less socialist because it's like only the people who use it have to pay it. Like if you don't have a TV, you don't have to pay the licensing fee. I don't know. Get back to us, Turf Island. Let us know. What's British listeners. Now. Yeah, Turf Island. Let us know. Um, so writing in the Times of London, Janice Turner described the case as, quote, a Rorschach ink plot test. Different people see different things depending on your politics. Edwards, Hugh Edwards, represents the arrogance of an unaccountable BBC protecting its own or our vicious, uncontrolled press ruthlessly persecuting the mentally vulnerable, end quote. And he's the mentally vulnerable? Um, I would think the kid would be because if, if he's allegedly a drug addict, okay. that makes more sense <laughs> in context. Um, so obviously how you feel about this controversy if you're British is influenced by your own politics. The other reason this is such a big story in the UK, I think, or one of them has to do with uh, Jimmy Seville. Katie, do you remember that name? Yeah, he was a a British, like a very beloved television star who it turned out was a kitty diddler. He was an everyone diddler. He was an equal opportunity diddler. His victims mm-hmm. ranged from ages five to seventy five. Um, Damn. Yeah, he That's died. That's quite in, a range. He, he did not have a type. He. Did, <laughs> uh, it, should, it, was, it was like a horrible national scandal. He died in twenty eleven. It was not long after that it came out that he was just this absolutely horrific predatory sex abuser. He would do charity work for hospitals, and then he would assault patients. Um, and it later came out that like high-ranking BBC staffers didn't report on suspicious behavior they noticed on his part um, and on the part of Stuart Hall, who's another not-as-well-known BBC personality who turned out to be a serial um, kiddly, di- kiddly diddler. Not <laughs> so friendly. Kiddy diddler himself. So basically any controversy involving a big-time broadcaster is right. going to bring up echoes of this gigantic scandal. And it doesn't really right. – it's like with us, where like stuff gets lumped into the uh, Me Too label that maybe doesn't quite fit. Right. There's one other important part of the scandal I'd like to share with you, Katie. Please click that link. Oh my god! And please, just once you've caught your breath, please describe what you're seeing. Oh, this is a photo of Hugh Edwards with his pants down. You can see his bottom. He. I don't know what this is, if this is supposed to be erotic or not. It looks like he's standing up from the toilet. <laughs> in a bedroom, though. We're in a bedroom. There's no toilet. Where did you get this? What I find weird about this is he's looking like almost over his shoulder back at the camera. He looks upset that you are looking at his butt, even though he's yeah. the one who sent you the photo of his butt. I feel like this is like I'm looking at revenge porn right now and I shouldn't be seeing this. That's it, The expression on his face is very much, I did not consent to have this photo taken. It's uh so I should say nobody knows if this is real. This oh, it could be starts ro- while I'm in the while I'm in the UK. It could be something. I don't think this is him. Those are very perky buns. He's 61 years old. Does he work out? Oh no, but he's like a big workout guy. Janice Turner oh. actually wrote a column about like how this how like this old British BBC broadcaster has a thirst trap Instagram in 2019. Okay, yeah, that then it could be him because this is like this is a his I will say his body is very um. It looks like a younger man's butt, a younger man's body. It does. I've seen a lot of younger man's butt. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's just a screenshot from someone's phone. It says atop, chiffre de bout en bout, which means, I guess, in French, I translate it encrypted end to end. So, I guess it's WhatsApp or some shit. Okay. Um, so, this gets sent to me and some other. It's just rocketing around. Like some journalists get a hold of it. It starts spreading far and wide. Nobody knows if it's real. I don't think. Okay, so this was not like published in The Sun or the BBC surely didn't publish this. Absolutely not. It's like, it's, it's Samizdat. It's like nobody knows if it's real, but I think, I think the assumption is it's real, uh, but no one knows for sure. I mean, that's 
God, that is such a, uh, a a moment right now. And like because of all this mid-journey AI stuff, you could very easily make a photo that looked convincing just like this. Like make it a little bit blurry. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be really, really hard to tell if this was real or not. In a way, that's good for him. Yeah. Um, so wait, uh, real quick. Do you want me to post the photo in the show notes? Absolutely not. Um, we've described that people can use the mental image for whatever purposes they want. All right, y'all have to go find this yourself. One final thing worth noting is that the early Sun coverage mentioned seventeen being the age at which the BBC presenter, you know, interacted with this kid for the first time. Soliciting sexual photos of a seventeen-year-old in the UK would be a crime, full stop. But then some other outlets, including the BBC and and a outlet called The Eye, uh, Stuart Ritchie writes for them, if anyone knows that, is a great science writer. These outlets pointed out that The Sun didn't quite exactly say that Hugh Edwards sought out sexually explicit photos when the kid was 17. The original phrasing from The Sun, quote, a top BBC star is off air while allegations he paid a teenager for sexual pictures are being investigated. The well-known presenter is accused of giving the teen more than 35,000 pounds since they were 17 in return for sordid images. So there's some, like, sordid might not be sexual if he just had his shirt. Like, there's absolute slipperiness in terms of what the sun has said occurred and how they've said it at different points. So, like, as though the situation weren't confusing enough, you just have, like, poor, unclear tabloid writing and not every repertorial dot, uh, I dotted and T crossed. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha. So that's, like, honestly where we're at with this i mean we're recording this on thursday i checked with my my myriad british contacts to see if anything else had happened oh your your what's your whatsapp group no there's no whatsapp group i don't know what you're talking about um but yeah it's just like this the guy is getting mental health treatment it remains unclear like exactly what was paid for what when no sign a crime was committed but that's uh british media uh that's that's the big british media scandal so I assume career over for Hugh Edwards. Is there any coming back from this? I would say it's not looking very good. I mean, we could use a third host and one <laughs> with like a little bit more gravitas, I think. And Jimmy Savile is dead. <laughs> Too soon. Katie, do you want another quicker British story that will maybe bum you out even more than the bum story? I, I would love that. Let's do housekeeping first. You do it. We are a podcast. You can reach us at lockedandreportedpodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Reddit at, oh, God, blockedandreported.reddit.com. Yeah. Thank you. See, I let I, I taught you to fish, and yeah. now you're reeling them in. Uh, yeah, I'm covered in fish right now. And mo most covered importantly, <laughs> if you go to blockedandreported.org for just $5 a month, you can become a primo, a premium subscriber. That gets you three extra episodes every month, along with access to our great and growing community. It really is. There's like our comment section is typically very astute. Uh, it's the best place on the internet. Is that a little bit of an overstatement? Under British law, you're not allowed to say that. So. Okay. If you're listening to this in the UK, cover yours. What else do we have, Jesse? Oh, we have a merch store. Uh, what's that? Bar we have too many, too many URLs. We should gather these in one place. And wasn't that your your job at one point? Wasn't there a thing link tree? Should we do a link tree? Or you could just put a link to the merch store on our on our. I did. Substack. Oh, okay, great. So you can go to our Substack at Blocked. Wait, hold on. Let me make sure I did. Yeah, it, dude. Not only did I do it. 
I put it merch, all capital letters, and I put it even higher than my own personal newsletter. Oh, thank you, thank you that for that, Jesse. For why did you? Why is your own personal newsletter blocked? Uh, Cross lingering? promotion, baby, synergy. Oh all right, I'm gonna note to self, go in and delete that after we stop recording. Yes, if you go to blocktownreporter.substack.com, if you go to, I'm cutting that out. If you go to blocktownreporter.org, you can get uh, a link to our merch store while you are joining us as a premium subscriber. Our last premium episode was good. We just, we just like. Usually you and I, uh, we're like Hugh Edwards. We're very formal. Mm -hmm. We talk in a very clipped way, but we just let loose that last episode. We talked about poop. Oh, God. And what Germans do about it. It's just like I found my my least favorite word now even more so than, wait, what was my least favorite word before? Penis? Penis is a great word. I, I don't like P Poop. words, it turns out. I don't like P words. Uh, we talked about Jonah Hill. We talked about white people. We talked about black people. The tower card? The, ta the power card. Oh, there was- The tower you, card. Yeah, we talked about tarot cards. It was just a great episode. Blackreport.org. I think that's it. Is that it? I feel like I'm missing something. Rate and review us on iTunes. Oh, yeah. Rate and review us on iTunes. We're at a 4.6. Well, let me make sure we're still at a 4.6. I really hope we're at a... No, fucking 4.6. We're stuck at 4.6. This is awful. Give us a one-star review so we can go down to 4.5 and get out of this rut. No, please don't. Please don't. Um, these are good reviews, though. Okay, that's it. All right. Second British story. Let's do it. So, Katie, click this link, and we're going to hear a little bit of audio, and then I'll explain it. My name's Sarah Jane Baker. I run an organization called the Trans Prisoner Alliance. There's over a thousand transgender prisoners, and we're counting on you out here, right? Listen, there are some really bad transgender prisoners. There are. I'm not going to lie to you. But there's about 980 of us who are just trying to live our lives behind bars, without testicles, in male prisons, against our will. Well, I was going to come here and be really fluffy and be really nice and say, yeah, be really lovely and queer and gay. Nah, if you see a turf, punch him in the f***ing face. Yeah, so that lovely individual is named Sarah Jane Baker, uh, and in that video, she's speaking at London's Trans Pride March on July 8th. Again, right after I arrived, interesting things started happening. You should have gone. You and Julie Bendel and Helen Lewis should have gone together. I actually, I have a semi-related story that I'm going to tell you off mic. Um, Sarah Jane Baker who, you know, is given this pretty prestigious speaking slot. She has a normal and not at all crazy history. She's exactly the sort of person you should want as the face of your movement. Katie, read this excerpt from an article in The Telegraph. Baker was originally jailed for kidnapping and torturing her stepmother's brother. She was then convicted while behind bars of the attempted murder of another inmate when she was 21. She was released in 20 2019. Baker, a violinist and artist who originally is from Brixton in South London, later claimed the victim, an alleged child rapist, had bullied her. Speaking to the Anything Goes with James English podcast in 2020, Baker described how she always felt uncomfortable in a male body and in December 2017 resorted to drastic measures by cutting off her own testicles. Quote, I hated my body and I just reached out to the staff and I said to them, if you don't help me, I will help myself. And they just laughed. She remembered. I said, I will remove my own testicles. That's what I'll do. I am genuinely a person of my word. If I tell you I'm going to do something, then I'm going to do it. I've also been diagnosed with a personality disorder. And one of my risk factors is being impulsive. This was an impulsive decision that I made to take a prison razor blade at 2 o'clock in the morning and remove my own testicles. 
She admitted that this had been an incredibly dangerous decision, but that it felt important. This is what happens when you deny people health care, folks. <laughs> I mean, it's basically, yeah. Uh, this is another article, Daily Mail. Um, Wait, didn't she eat the testicles? I heard that somewhere. I don't think that's in that article. I don't know if that's a rumor. Okay. Did Sarah Jane Baker eat your testicles? If you, I mean, what else are you supposed to do with medical waste in a hospital? And I mean, in a prison situation. Taking. He talked about how he started taking bites of his own. I don't. We don't. That's okay. We're gonna skip that question. People are feel free to Google. Did Sarah Jane Baker eat her own testicles? Um, this other article uh, talks about her testicles. Mm-hmm. Yes, Katie. <laughs> Here's another article from the Daily Bell. A hospital worker kidnapped and tortured by a transgender activist who told a cheering crowd at a rally to punch chirps in the face today branded her a dangerous, violent individual. Darren Cher- wait, wait. A hospital worker kidnapped and tortured by... Is that the same transgender activist or is that a different transgender activist? No, this is one of Sarah okay. Jane Baker's victims. Okay. Darren Sheridan, 52, spoke publicly for the first time of how he feared he would die after being savagely beaten and tormented during 24 hours, held captive by Sarah Jane Baker and her brother. Now he is hit out at the zealot over her inf- inflammatory arguments against feminists critical of trans ideology. So, man, you know, you do not often hear about women committing crimes like this. Yeah, it's unusual. Mo- women, women are more likely to do things like not pay their BBC licensing fee. Or emotional warfare. Get- <laughs> Or torture people emotionally or not go out with right. me. Like really bad stuff <laughs> right. like that. Right. Um, so after this very violent, dangerous, unstable individual publicly calls for violence against women who don't have the correct views on gender. Uh, what's interesting is that there, unless I'm missing something, and I did ask on Twitter for examples, there was almost no response from like her quote-unquote side pointing out that maybe you shouldn't call for violence. There was this- Well, Jesse, maybe you should call for violence sometimes. Maybe. There was this uh, mealy-mouth response from Clive Lewis, a labor MP, advocating violence against others is wrong, and this is no exception. But as you'll be aware, violent language and actions are not unique to one side on this issue. (laughs) That doesn't justify the above in any way, but it does require we acknowledge the general toxicity and step back from it. Look, I I will certainly acknowledge that gender-critical feminist turfs, if you will— can be super nasty they can be online. Mean. Are they vi- super do you ever super s- mean? I do not and, see violence. Like they're women. They're women. They can be. You know how very, women be. Very. Yeah. You know. You do know how women be. They can be very nasty online. And I think there is sometimes among the gender critical sort of side, there is a, a refusal to acknowledge that. But just like get on their wrong side at one point, and you will experience that yourself. There can be a lot of bullying, but. I have literally, and I'm like pretty plugged into this community. I have never seen calls for violence. Never. Would you say calls for violence against TERFs are A, non-existent, B, extremely rare, or C, very rare? Those are the only options. (laughs) They are uh, extremely common. They are everywhere. Punch TERFs. It's like on T-shirts. Peter Tatchell, a big-time LGBT campaigner who's very active on Twitter, said, Violent threats against trans critics are wrong. I condemn them. But it was one person who does not represent the hashtag trans community. Also wrong are abuse and smears by trans critics against trans people and allies like me. Two wrongs don't make a right. So again, it's just like equivocation. Like if I... I don't know. You would think people would just be able to say, 
don't fucking threaten people with violence. It's um, both sidesism. Aren't we against that? I thought we were against it. There's also this this strange young, apparently privileged NB who recently glued themselves to the stage. Oh, Riz. 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 Riz the Rizza. <laughs> <laughs> they glued themselves to the stage during a Kathleen stock talk, um, which yeah, really helped at, them. It was really good for their personal Oxford? brand. I think in Oxford. <laughs> I believe they're an Oxford student from a posh background. They did a yeah. strange tweet storm basically saying like, I don't condone, I can't condone violence, but I also can't condone not violence. So quote, I don't think it's overly generous to interpret this as if someone is here vocally denying our existence and inciting hatred, punch them. Okay, Riz. Wait, I don't think it's overly generous to interpret this as if someone is. It's, I don't understand what that. She's basically they, she's like in, it, it's poorly written, but they, she's basically saying don't get don't misgender the person who glued their hand to it to a desk, Jesse. Please. They are say they are saying that like punch turps just means punch someone who vocally denies our existence and incites hatred, which is not as bad. <sighs> This is the thing that people like people on this side of the debate repeat this platitude, deny our existence. I don't think anybody I mean there's probably a small number of people, but it is not like most people do not deny that trans people exist. I think anyone who isn't a white male Jew does not exist literally doesn't exist. I don't think right. exists. No, like objecting to specific policies, things like self-ID, wanting to have sports segregated by sex. Having concern over spiking numbers of kids appear, uh, presenting at gender clinics with symptoms of gender dysphoria, that is not denying the existence of trans people. No. I mean, you do see you do see every once in a while like trans kids don't exist, which I think is, is yeah. another way of saying like stupid. Yeah, I, I don't think it's very helpful. But I, I think the you see literally you see people say there's no such thing as a trans kid, which like I get in some abstract way what you're reaching for there. But like. Come on. I think what they're reaching for is saying like a kid can't transition on their own. It's a parent's transing a child. But clearly there are children with gender dysphoria. Yeah, from a very young age. But I just I think it's a very fringe position to say that gender dysphoria doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, I don't... Saying like men can't become women. That's not a fringe position. I think that until recently that was like a, actually a very mainstream position. Well, that's denying. Anyway, I mean, it, the point is. I feel like that's a problem in this area of activism where the temperature just gets ratcheted up higher and higher and higher. Punch turfs, kill turfs, once in a while rape turfs, but everyone's labeled the turf. I mean, the only times I've experienced like really gross, like sexualized, I don't even want to call it harassment. It's just like gross. It, it, I'm sorry, but it came from like, it's a tiny, tiny fraction of this community, but it's seen as acceptable or at least no one will step up and say it isn't. I mean, I got a weird rape threat. I got... Uh, Gretchen, whatever the fuck she's called, who's just really weird that sexual author. stuff about me. Yeah, um, I just I, there's. I got way worse shit from the Opie and Anthony people. Those were the you? only people I've ever encountered. Oh my god, do you think it's been long enough so that I can talk about it now? Uh, it's your choice. I mean, there's always a chance to re reaggravate them, but I, okay, I won't reaggravate it. I will just say that worse than Gretchen Fal- Falcon Martin. Way so much worse than anything I've experienced from trans allies. So much worse, and not just me. Like targeting like people I'm close to. Yeah. So much worse. So much worse. Anyway, a bunch of people begin calling for the arrest of Sarah Jane Baker on the grounds that she made threats, uh, and she actually was arrested. Really? As the Daily Mail reported, quote, she was arrested following the alleged incident and has been re- recalled to prison for breaching her license her conditions. BB li- BBC license? Her B- <laughs> she was arrested for not paying her BBC fees. <laughs> 
Um, Mail Online understands she has been sent to a male-only jail amid, amid speculation she was in a facility for females. So, yeah, Baker was effectively on parole, um, you know, for that little brief spell of kidnapping and torturing and attempted murdering she did. And it turns out the British authorities don't like it when they release someone on conditions who committed violent crimes, and then they start threatening people with violence. So, Katie, you're an expert on the British legal mm-hmm. system. Is this cancel culture gone too far or a fair consequence given uh, Sarah Jane Baker's violent past and discourse? I do not think that people should be arrested for speech. I know that the UK does not have a First Amendment. They don't. Free speech is not a real thing in the UK. Uh, so and I think there is a difference between like a parole violation and just somebody out on the street who isn't on parole saying punch her. I, I, I don't think people should be arrested for for speech, though. Um, and, and I'm not sure that like, wh- what do you think? Do you think this is a real? Well, I don't know. If you see a turf punch them, that could be an incitement towards violence. Like in the U.S., I, I don't think in the U.S. any of this would be actionable. I do think if you're out on I, I and again, license is what they call it. Her She breached her license conditions. I. I'm having trouble. I would not want someone arrested who just said punch turfs, to be mm-hmm. honest. But like she, she's out of prison on like really serious violent charges. Yeah, you, just, you can't then publicly call for violence and expect there to be no consequences. I'm, I'm having trouble yeah. getting too worked up about this. Yeah, I do not uh, for, feel particularly bad for Sarah Jane Baker. Although maybe she could cut off another body part while she's in prison. There you go. Um, so yeah, that's the story of Sarah Jane Baker. And I, when you think about, I think, I don't know, any like social movement needs to figure out a way to like marginalize the crazies. It's a process. It's a process every social movement goes through. But like, totally, that's not a great sign that this person was given the mic and allowed to say this. That's that's not great. Yeah, I mean, do we know anything about the? Was this like an open mic situation or? No, no, no. Okay. She has like connections to some like high ranking trans activists over there. Apparently, according to some of the reporting I read. You would think that there would be a little bit more, I don't know, discretion about who you you choose to be a speaker for your movement. I, I would. I'm not an activist. I'm not an organizer. So I, maybe they just like there was nobody else. It's almost like in this area of activism, there's very little accountability or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just spitballing here. Uh, any other questions about this? Comments? Concerns? Should we try to get Sarah Jane Baker on the show? What should we do? You said we needed a third host, and Hugh Edwards is uh, in rehab now. So, well, they're both sort of unavailable. Oh, prison. We should make that. We should do an open tryout where Sarah Jane Baker and Hugh Edwards both do an episode, and we see who does better. I think it's fair. Who, whatever audio is the audio quality better in prison, or is the audio quality better in rehab? That's my question. I don't think it's rehab. I think he's literally like in a mental hospital. But I mean, rehab for what? I wonder if he has like a brain tumor or something, or there's like there. I heard this this. I don't know what it was. It was maybe This American Life. There was a radio Disinhibition. Story. Yeah. There was, uh, there was some medication that came out years ago to treat, I believe, Parkinson's that would make t- otherwise totally normal people get crazy addicted to gambling. Yeah. I've heard about stuff like this. Yeah. There are like weird brain chemistry issues and things that can make like very erratic behavior. Not that I should try to excuse him, but it just seems – bizarre it's an interesting although it does also seem bizarre to cut off your own testicles in prison too also it could be a brain yeah condition. there's a lot of strange characters in this episode i feel like if you're an american broadcaster and that happens to you you get to go to one of those like really awesome southern california rehab oh, yeah. centers yeah that seems so nice i guess like where hugh edwards is from they're a li- they have a little bit more too much dignity to do that he's just moved to the u.s and become an influencer 
<laughs> a daddy influencer. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else, Katie? Uh, did you see the Jane Cosen article that came out today in the New York Times? I only saw the headline. Okay, so this was called More Visible LGBTQ People Isn't a Curiosity or Crisis, It's Normal. So Jane uh, interviewed me for this. Uh, I was not quoted. A clear oversight on her part. Um, but her this piece, I like Jane Cosen. I think she's really smart. Her piece I disagree with in a lot of ways because the gist of the piece, let me just read you the last sentence because I think that that uh, that captures the whole thing or the last two sentences. When others panic about rising numbers, and that's rising numbers of LGBTQ people, and fret about what causes people to be trans or queer in general, the not-so-hidden message is that repression might be necessary to stop them or if the temptations of trans life were too alluring, otherwise might entice normal people too much. Yes, more people are trans now than there were a few years ago, and that's normal. I just – I fundamentally disagree with that position. You're pro-repression? I'm pro-repression. No, she she does this thing. She, like, talks in a lot of the piece about – she sort of lumps together, homo, like, the increasing number of people identifying as gay and bi with trans. And I just think there's a fundamental difference between those two because being trans, one of the symptoms of being trans or of having just gender dysphoria is distress. That is not a symptom of homosexuality or bisexuality. And so – if you're saying like more people who are distressed is normal and, and that's a good thing because being gay and being bi doesn't require lifelong medical care. And I just think I, I really like Jane, but I think she does this thing where she's like lumping together sexuality and gender identity in a way that is often done because of this like big umbrella and the LGBT using that language. Yeah. But I just think they're two fundamentally different things. Well, I mean, I, your, but your theory relies on the idea that like the number of people who have GD is actually going up when it could be that there's more awareness of it. So more people are ending up in clinics. Do you really believe that, Jesse? Uh, no, but I'm just trying to <laughs> remain open to possibilities. Well, the other the other thing is like I actually I think that's part of it. Well, but but I also so it's 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 not exactly like oh no more people are coming out as gay. It's also like there is for gender nonconforming kids and teens the messages they get about. Can you actually be gender nonconforming? Can you be a, a, a natal female with short hair who likes rough and tumble play? Right. I, I do think a lot, it seems pretty freaking obvious that a lot of them are getting the message that you might not really be a girl. And we right. should, and even in a case where they don't seek out hormones, which some of them do, we should be able to talk about like, in, in what other liberals talk endlessly about gender messages, gender norms. Oh, the, the ad for the doll, she's a little too skinny. How will that hurt kids? We should be able to talk about like whether this understanding of gender is actually healthy and actually liberating. So I think that's, right. I mean, I'm just agreeing with you that that's a little bit different from like, oh no, kids are gay. I think a lot of us don't really, I, I don't care how many kids identify. I mean, I think it's funny when you see stats where it's like 25 or 30% of kids identify as LGBT because we all know they're like a sub significant subset of them are going to be boring cishet bankers in 10 years, which is fine. At some point, they will be 40 and they will end up with two children and a husband and they will live in the suburbs. This is yeah, what happens to most fine. people. This is what happened. Like my entire college friend group with like one exception all of i lived with a bunch of girls in college every single one of them except for one went through a gay phase in college every single one of them except for me is married yeah. to a man and has children right now it's fine this is it doesn't matter how things happen there's and there's nothing wrong, but right and there's i just think there's nothing wrong with like experimenting with your sexuality and stuff because it's not that doesn't create 
you don't have to be on hormones for the rest of your life if you're if you go through a fucking gay phase. It, it's not it's not just the hormones. It's like it's it's a potent message to say if you're gender nonconforming, you should think long and right. hard about if you're really that's a girl regressive. Or if you should be a boy. Um, I I th- I find it a little bit regressive. I, I think. Maybe for some people it's liberating, and who's to say if you're like in small town Texas, maybe it's better to have that third gender category. I'm not discounting that. I'm just agreeing with you that you can't lump all these things together, and you can. I can make a perfectly coherent argument for why I find the current gender talk regressive that I don't think I'm slipping into any like conservative tropes. I don't think I'm saying anything about it. people neither of us think there should be any restrictions on how people express themselves or what they wear. If anything, we don't want a situation where, like, if you like to wear a dress, oh, that means you must be a girl. I think it'd be awesome if dudes could wear dresses however they want. You'd look great in having one. To feel, I would look incredible, but I'm too scared to go out dressed like that. So yeah. it's very sad. Uh, anyway, I should actually read Jane's article, but um, based on what you said, I agree with you. Yeah, Jane is really smart. She's a good writer and an interesting thinker. Um, I just think, like, fundamentally, there is something happening here, and she's sort of ignoring the fact that, like, there is something weird about the fact that, like, large numbers of lesbians in particular are transitioning to male or calling themselves non-binary. There's something queer about it, Jesse. All right. Uh, well, that's enough of that. Uh, I guess that's it, right? Anything else? Any other British drama news? I don't know. You're our British correspondent. You tell me. Nope. That's all I got. This has been Blocked Reported. As always, we're produced with tra- with, tra- <laughs> with Trace from Help, with help from Tracy Woodgrains and the Mysterious Lex. Thanks to them both. I'm Jesse Single, and remember, pip, pip, cheerio. And I'm Katie Herzog, and also remember, if you ever find yourself compelled to cut off your testicles and eat them, don't forget the salt and pepper. <laughs>